Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Well, tonight we're going to continue in our study of the book of Revelation. Uh, Surprise, surprise, we're actually there. And uh, two weeks in a row, we're actually looking at the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bibles, if you will. This time we're on uh, Revelation chapter 14. Uh, Revelation chapter 14. Last week I shared with you that as we began this uh, segment of, or the section of Revelation, we're looking at uh, really the buildup of uh, the war on worship. Last week we saw that uh, in the war of worship that we were looking at the uh, the fact that uh, 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 that John was sharing the the description of the idolization of the beast. Uh, we saw basically the condemn uh, the condemn uh, condemning of the idol worship of humanity. We saw that uh, the beast, uh, of course, the drag, the dragon that was present already. Uh, then there was another dragon that came up out of the ocean. Uh, this uh, other dragon uh, 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 was uh, integral part of our study last week and our, our study of that. And then we saw that uh, there was an idol that was built in the image of the beast, uh, the image of the beast with uh, the head wound, uh, and everyone was forced to worship the idol, and the beast was given uh, power. The second beast was given power to make the idol to uh, come to life and to be able to call down fire from heaven and to cause uh, and to do uh, miraculous signs. And so this was uh, a way of... of This is our understanding of of, uh, Satan trying to bring about his unholy trinity to try and copy that which uh, God uh, has established as the the holy trinity. And so we see uh, that that mankind is pulled away and a beginning of the war of worship uh, of trying to pull humanity away. We begin our look tonight at chapter 14 and, and we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 20 which is uh, the whole chapter of chapter 14 and this uh, section is a clearly defined unit that provides an effective contrast to the terrifying developments of what happened in chapter 13 uh, we see uh, John begin his uh, his dialogue in chapter 14 with I looked and, and lo, behold, uh, or uh, in uh, the actual Greek it says, I saw and behold, uh, but it's translated here, and I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And so what we see here is the beginning of 
a contrast to what was seen the last time. The last time was a beast coming out of the ocean and standing on the shore. This time, uh, John is saying, I looked and beheld uh, the Son of Man, the, the, uh, the Lamb, standing on a hill. Uh, and this is uh, Mount Zion. Uh, now, this is, Zion is always seen as Jerusalem. And so Mount Zion is, is the holy hill of God. Uh, this is considered to be the temple mount. And so uh, what we have here is the Lamb of God. And he says, uh, uh, the Lamb stood on the mount and with them was 144,000. So what he beheld, uh, behold, what he sees, put it easier, what he sees is a vision of the 144,000 on the earth. Now, this is uh, kind of a parallel to the 144,000 that's mentioned before, but it's been mentioned by several scholars that this is not the same 144,000 because the the prior 144,000 that was mentioned in the book of Revelation is uh, 144,000 martyrs of God. And what we have to remember also is, is that 144,000 is not a literal 144,000. When John wrote this, 144,000 individuals is just a number of, of such proportion that it's unheard of for a person from the time that John is writing this, uh, you have to remember, we live in a day and age where uh, President Trump goes down to India and he steps into a a stadium in which 110,000 people are there for a rally. This would be unimaginable to somebody uh, from the time that John is writing this. Uh, There would probably not be that many people in the whole known world at the time for them to conceive 144,000 individuals. And so the number 144 is not always literal. It, It mainly represents a multitude of people of such proportion that is inconceivable for the person uh, that is witnessing this. So John is seeing uh, the lamb on Mount Zion and he is seeing a large number of people that is inconceivable for him to see, a very large number of people. And what he also sees is uh, the audition of a new song that is sung in heaven. The third thing he sees is... uh, uh, the third thing that we see from this is an interpretive explanation in verses 4 and 5 which elaborates on the identity of the 144,000. So let's read through this a little bit. And he says, I stood and saw the 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. These are Christians because they are they have the name of God written on their forehead. This is in contrast to again what the dragon uh, or the beast had uh, the 
people of the earth do in the last, in chapter 13. Remember, at the very end of chapter 13, it says that uh, that all mankind was forced to take the name of the beast upon their forehead, the name of the number uh, the number of the na- name of the beast, which is six 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 or six six hundred and sixty six. So we see this is a contrast to that in that these are people that are sealed unto God. These are people that are uh, that are followers of God. These are people who are still um, <clears throat> not in the uh, not worshiping the beast, not worshiping the idol. These are all people that are uh uh, sealed by God. And it says, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a, a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And so what we see is a scene that is reminiscent of uh, out of the first part of Revelation. Remember where we saw the throne room of God? Uh, John says that he saw lightning, thunder, heard thunder, he heard uh, this voice of many waters. This is usually a, vo- uh, a noise. This is a, a, uh, something that is usually uh, uh, associated with the voice of God. But he also hears uh, not only the voice of many waters, uh, but a great thunder. And I heard a great uh, voice of harps playing uh, so we we hear all of the rejoicing, and who are who's playing the harps? Who's uh, actually uh, singing? Remember, out of the first part of Revelation, we heard that the uh, that the uh, twelve elders uh, that were around <coughs> the throne of God, they were the ones who were there praising on their faces before God. Uh, the angels were uh, the. Uh, uh, the the angelic beings that were around, uh, the elders were the ones that were singing holy, holy, holy unto God. And so what we see here is an image uh, of uh, that hearkening back to the throne of God. Uh, he's seeing that happening not in the throne room of God in heaven, but now he sees it on the hill uh, of Zion. And so, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. And these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins, and these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. And these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God. To the Lamb, and so what we see is uh, are all these similarities hearkening back to the beginning of Revelation, as well as in chapter seven, one through seventeen. We see also uh, the vision of the sealing of the hundred forty-four thousand on the earth. We see also the vision of the great multitude praising God in His heavenly throne room, and we also hear the interpretive explanation as to what is happening. This is all reminiscent of what happened in chapter seven, and so uh, we have these two parallels. Why are we seeing these visions of parallels? Because this is a demonstration of the salvation of God. These are all 144,000 that are sealed of God. 
These are all who have given their heart to God. It says that they're all virgins, that they've not been defiled. This is speaking to their purity of their heart, not necessarily about their, uh, their sexual nature, but rather it is a, a demonstration of the purity of their heart. Uh, this would be very similar to saying that he sees them in white robes. It would be uh, very similar to that. So what we see is, uh, is a heavenly host of people that are surrounding uh, the Lamb, the hearkening back to the throne room of God, and it is uh, all pointing to the salvation of God. They're following the Lamb. They're following... Who's the Lamb of God? Jesus Christ. And so what we see is that these are people who are following the Lamb. They're following after Him. They're pure of heart. They've been sealed of God. This is an image of salvation. So we start off in chapter 14 with a vision of salvation. But that's not where it ends. We see that... uh, And this is to give us hope as well. You've heard me talk about all along that people want to characterize the book of Revelation as all judgment and all God coming in and destroying everything. But time and time again, we've seen a message of hope, a message of God's salvation, a message of God's redemption, a message of God calling the people of this earth back to a right relationship with Him. All throughout, all of the all the judgments that have happened, all the trumpets, all the bowls, and all the things that have happened, they're all calling for mankind to understand and see that God is in control, that God is, is the uh, ruler and of this earth, that God is the eternal power and that judgment is coming. It's not necessarily to uh, antagonize the people of this earth that judgment is... It's not like what your parent would do. You know, my mama would be, uh, when I was young and... and and doing things that I shouldn't do sometimes, not very often. I, le- I learn very quickly. But uh, but if uh, you know, you've heard always. Well, you just watch out. Your da- when your daddy gets home, you know what happens. Punishment's coming. That didn't happen. My mama didn't wait for my daddy to come home. My mom, <laughs> my mom went ahead and punished me then. But she, what would happen is, is if I was really bad, not only would she punish me, but my dad would punish me too. He'd have a word with me when he got home too. And it'd be worse than when my mom did anything with me. And and it, like I said, it didn't take but once or twice for that to happen, for me to get clear in my head that I had to act right. But that's what parents do sometimes. They'll say, well, you just wait for your mama to go get home and she'll set you straight on this. Or you just wait for daddy to get home and he's going uh, to lay it down hard and heavy. And... This is uh, this is not that. This is not God saying, "Look, here comes the judgment, and it's going to lay down hard and heavy on you." It's saying, "Here comes the judgment. You still have a chance to do what's right. Here comes judgment. Get your life right with God. Here comes judgment. Make sure you cling to God. Here comes judgment. Don't be deceived by the deceiver. Here comes judgment. Don't allow yourself to be pulled away uh, by." these uh, cheap imitations of God that uh, the dragon, the, the beast, the, all these things that are coming, uh, 
to try and deceive mankind. Don't allow those things to pull you away from God. Instead, run to God, plead to God, cling to God. But time and again, we see that humanity is turning away from God. Humanity is, is not clinging to God. But, there's, but the hope is, seen here in chapter 14, there's still a remnant. There's, and that has been the message of God throughout Scripture. There's always a remnant of those who cling to Him. There's always a remnant of those who still cling, uh, uh, call God their God, who worship God, who cling to God. There's always a remnant of those who still uh, see Yahweh as the eternal God. And so what we see here is that hope that is found in uh, these who are still clinging to God, these who are still, that have not bent the knee. These are the ones who've not yielded to the, the beast and kneeled in front of the idol. And so what we see in the next, the second half of this chapter is the parallel. And we have two harvest, uh, parallels of two harvest sayings. And he said, I saw another angel fly into the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the seas and the fountains of the waters. Again, the message of God is hope. Turn to God. Turn to Him. Here comes God's judgment, and He's saying, Fear God. Give Him glory. His judgment is coming. Worship Him. Because the implication is, is that if you turn to God, if you worship God, judgment will not be as severe. It's the same as if you... Listen, when I was young, I knew right away, if I did something wrong, it was a whole lot easier on me if I came and confessed to mom and dad, even before they even knew something was wrong, and to lay out before them, I did something wrong. Here's what I did, and I know that I did wrong, so please forgive me. I knew I would get punished, but I knew my punishment would not nearly be as bad as if I tried to hide it, if I lied to my parents, if I tried to make out like nothing was going on, nothing had happened, and they learned of what happened, and they learned of my deceitfulness, and they learned of the lies that I might have said in order to try and cover it up. So I knew right away in my young age not to do any of that kind of thing. It was much better and much easier. Amen, right? Was it that way in your home? I would imagine it would be that way in a lot of uh, a lot of homes. If you came out outright said, this is what happened, this is where I messed up, I'm sorry, uh, and I know and understand that I'll be punished, but I wanted to get it out there and out in the open. And that's exactly what uh, the people of the earth are, are encouraged to do. Here comes God's judgment. Turn to God. Repent of your... Uh, evil ways. Return to God because judgment is coming. The maker of heaven and earth is coming. And there followed, verse 8, and there followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, is, is fallen in the great city because she made all nations drink the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And so, let me just stop here for just a second and say, 
that many believe that the, the, the beast that's mentioned here is Babylon. And, but it, I always thought it was odd for them to say all this about the beast and it be Babylon, and then for the angel to say, well, Babylon has fallen. Although clearly the angel here has not received the judgment that com- that's coming much later towards chapter 20, 21, 22, where God has the victory. That's not happened yet. So how, I, I've always had a hard time with, with uh, saying that the beast was Babylon. <coughs> <coughs> but the angel here in verse, uh, verse 8 is saying, uh, Babylon has fallen... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And what we have to understand is, is that even though Babylon is not uh, the beast, in my opinion, and and that's all it is, is just my opinion. The fact of the matter is, is that Babylon is, has forever been an enemy of the people of Israel, that Babylon has been, uh, that they've opposed Israel. And Babylon, in fact, has also been uh, one of those nations that came during the time in which uh, Israel was was taken out of, uh, was defeated and taken out of their promised land. Uh, Babylon and Assyria and some of the others uh, all in that uh, region all came in and, and took over Israel and, and caused them great difficulty. And so uh, Israel has always had a bad uh, feeling towards Babylon. And so this is, this is part of what they've always wanted coming from the Messiah to overthrow all of their uh, uh, enemies, to cause Israel to be uh, reestablished and to be reaffirmed uh, for for uh, for all of Israel's enemies to be dealt with and to be punished for the way in which they treated Israel. Verse nine says, "And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand." The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and the fire and the brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name." And so what we have here is an admonition by uh, the third angel not to succumb to the idolatry that's found in chapter 13, but rather to follow after God to to make uh, sure that you follow. Uh, It's almost as if we've got two teams, kind of like you have two football teams get on the football field, and they they both come in, they're both introduced, and you have... Uh, one team that's on one end of the field and you have the other team that's on the other end of the field and you know their battle is is about to happen. They're about to uh, compete in the middle uh, on the football field, but they start off at opposite sides. Here we have uh, very very similar to that. Chapter 13 was an establishment of the beast and or the... Uh, 
and the the idol and all of that and the worship of the idol and uh, the the Antichrist on one side and you have in chapter 14 with the uh, lamb on um, the mountain in Zion and the 144,000 uh, and they're all proclaiming the, the worship of God. You hear the harps playing and you hear uh, the song, uh, the new song that's being uh, delivered up. <clears throat> this is a, a song that is... Uh, never been heard before and no one else is able to to learn it or understand it except those who have the relationship with God. And so what we have here are the two sides and we're about to see the great conflict that's about to ensue. And let's see. There's the warning also. He says anybody who takes that step of getting the mark of the beast. Anyone who bends the knee to the idol, uh, they're, uh, they're going to receive the wrath of God. They're going to uh, be punished. And it says, verse 12, Here's the patience of the saints. Here they uh, are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. In verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And here's uh, the next segment. And he says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having his head a golden crown, and his, in his hand a sharp sickle. And another came, angel came out of the temple, crying, with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Trust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also having a heart, heart, sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which... Uh, had power over fire and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle saying thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe and the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into a great winepress of the wrath of God and the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. So what we have here are, is the image of two harvests. They parallel in that there are two angels that are using the sickle, and there are two angels that are coming out and proclaiming to the, the angels with the sickles to go out and to harvest. The first is the harvest of uh, what we would call like the harvest of grain or the harvest of wheat. And so the question is, what's the difference between the two? Are they the same thing? Or are they two different things? Now, I'm going to share with you what has been said about these two so that you can draw your own conclusions about this rather than to, to make up your mind for you. I don't I tend not to do that. 
Rather, I tell you what some have have said about this and some have had said about that and give you the reasons for, for it and then allow you to make up your own mind about it. You may already have your opinion about it, but here's the, here's the meaning according to some. Uh, the grain harvest, the first one, is often construed as a metaphor for an eschatological uh, judgment. Now, if you're not familiar with eschatological eschatological I can't even say it uh, it's a it's a form on the word of eschatology and the eschatology is the study of in things and so uh, eschatological is a judgment that comes at the end of days an eschatological eschatological Anyway, it's a judgment on those who are on this earth at the end of days. Then you have, and uh, so uh, they say that this is a judgment that is coming on all those who are still present on the earth at this time. But others see it as a general judgment, and that uh, that this first judgment is a judgment on all people in days. It's separate from the one that's the vine. And they claim that the one that involves the vine, the the harvest of the grapes, the second harvest is a judgment that comes upon the people of Israel. Okay? So the eschatological... I still can't say it right. For whatever reason, I'm I'm stumbling on that one today. That is uh, a judgment of... Uh, all people that are in the world except for Israel, and then the one with the grapes is a judgment of the of Israel itself. Israel being uh, the key word here, uh, the key understanding here is those of Israel who do not follow after God. Okay, so there are some who claim that these two are judgments with whatever you may uh, feel. They interpret it as a uh, uh, judgment on all those who are still present. Now, there are others who say, no, these are two separate events, and they are a gleaning, but they have two separate meanings. Did you notice a difference between the first and the second one other than the fact that one is grain and one is grapes? Go back and look. The first one, it says that the first angel comes, as looks like the Son of Man, and he has a gold crown upon his head, and the angel that, that heralds him comes out of the tabernacle. The second one, it just says that it's another angel with a, a sickle, and he's not compared with as the Son of Man, and he's not uh, got a gold crown upon his head. And the angel that comes out to herald him comes from the altar, but not necessarily from the temple or the tabernacle. And some would say that the first harvest is a good harvest, that, uh, that throughout Scripture we have seen that uh, when God comes to take His people home, those who are followers of God, that He comes and uh, reaps the harvest of uh, people and He takes them home. In fact, in other places it's seen that uh, it's compared to the time in which God will come and uh, reap the harvest of those who are still upon the earth 
and then separate the wheat from the chaff when he goes to the threshing floor and that this is a time in which God separates those who are followers of God from those who are not and takes uh, those whom he claims as uh, his children on home. Uh, The grain harvest has uh, been seen as both eschatological judgment of men and the gathering of the elect. As I said, the judgment language is uh, not present in this uh, necessarily. If there would have been more... You see also the difference between the two in terms of... It says the the sickle is used and it, it taken to the threshing floor, but there's no mention of uh, beating or thrashing or anything like that on the threshing floor. But when the grapes are collected, where where do they go? They take it to the wine press and the imagery of the blood coming when the uh, press is used uh, and the the grapes are squeezed, uh, talking about the blood overflowing uh, from the wine press, it's clear that the first image of gathering is not as severe as the second image of gathering. But there are others who say no, that uh, that both of them are are bad. and one is is speaking of the people of the world, and others uh, the other gathering involving uh, grapes is used uh, for Israel. Uh, they say that uh, the hour of harvest relates to. Uh, the phrasing of the day and the hour of judgment, and so it is seen as uh, both uh, both of them as being uh, negative. Uh, both of the harvests as being negative. Then there's others who say, uh, like I said, the second harvest is being a harvest of the hundred forty-four thousand. Um, the correlation between the hundred forty-four thousand and the first harvest. Um, it's used as a positive metaphor for gathering. Um, so regardless of what you may think, I, I think it's clear to see that these, this second half of the Scripture is about judgment. First half about salvation. Second half about judgment. First half of the the salvation of the people of God, the 144,000 singing hymns, praising God. They're over here. These are the people uh, related to salvation. These are the people who are followers of God. This is a vision of salvation at the beginning of the chapter. At the end of chapter 14 is a vision of judgment that God is is calling out His angels. God doesn't judge them Himself. Um, in the physical act, it is, and it is God calling them out to come and bring judgment. The angel is called out. The angel is told to apply the sickle. The angel is, is instructed what to do, and they go throughout the earth, and they're bringing about the judgment of God. So you have two views of whether or not uh, one is a gathering of the saints and the other uh, a gathering of those who are being judged of God or that they're both bad in terms of both being images of judgment. <clears throat> you decide. But what we have here is the establishment, again, 
of the war of worship. We have uh, the two sides that are competing, uh, and really it is a battle for who will the people of the world worship. Will they worship the, the beast, or will they worship God? Will they... Uh, and, and here's a last similarity that really popped into my head just now as I, I've looked, uh, thinking about it. Chapter 13 is all about the domination of mankind to worship the beast, to worship the idol of the beast, to worship uh, in our vernacular the enemy of God, the Satan. Okay? Chapter 14 is all about the, the power and the might of God. You've got the salvation of the people who follow after God and the judgment of those who choose to not follow after God. The, the clear and delineated um, um, rejoicing of those who follow after God uh, and, and also... Uh, basically, the reward of those who follow after God in that they are they're all there with with the lamb they're in his presence and they're worshiping God, and then the judgment of those who uh, choose not to follow after God and so uh, we see the two sides the beast drawing people to worship him, God calling people to worship him okay and so in the next chapter, uh, couple of chapters, we'll see the, uh, the further battle for the hearts and souls of men uh, as we progress further uh, throughout this uh, section of, of Revelation. Okay, any questions? And again, I have to say, no matter how dim and, and dire it seems we still have a message of hope at the beginning and a message of salvation throughout the past, uh, chapter 14 a call for mankind to, 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 to run to God judgment is coming whatever you do follow after God and it's a message we really need to share with the world even though uh, this is an apocalyptic... Uh, hey, I said that word okay. An apocalyptic section of Scripture. Uh, and apocalyptic uh, Scripture usually points to end times and, and judgment and uh, destruction of, of uh, the enemies of God. It is uh, very clearly a call of mankind to, uh, to turn to God. And it's our hope and prayer that we, as a body of believers will turn to God and help others to turn to God as well. Let's pray.